You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jen Wilkin and JT English. On today's episode, we do our first dive into 2 Samuel, looking at 2 Samuel chapters 1 through 3, or what I might like to call a tale of two kings. And we find out that something really important is happening in the history of Israel. And because it's happening in the history of Israel, it's important for the history of the world and the history of the story of Scripture. And so we really believe that when we begin to see what God is doing in 2 Samuel, that it will shape the way that we view the whole story of Scripture. So we hope you enjoy the discussion today. Okay, so here we are, um, and we're talking through today, 2 Samuel chapters 1 through 3. Just so the audience knows, (laughs) this is our fourth episode to record this morning. (laughs) It's Um, been fun. If you were under the impression that these were either live (laughs) or happening the week of release, uh, I hate to spoil that illusion for you. Um, We are going in on hour four of recording podcasts. Would you rather be doing something else? Mm Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. (laughs) I'd rather be on a beach with my wife uh, in the mountains. I'll tell Macy, though, that this is your ideal spot. On a beach in the mountains or in the mountains? Are be- there beaches in the mountains? Well, like that Tahoe. would solve that whole Lake tension Tahoe. people feel. Between. Yeah, on a beach in the mountains, that's, yeah. Lake Tahoe. That's my I've favorite. never been there. Yeah, it's great. You've never been? I've never been either. JT evidently goes a lot, though. I've been I've, once. Maybe we need to do a live recording there, I feel like. Yeah, if you're, if you're out in Lake Tahoe <laughs> and you'd like to bring the known faith crew out, uh, we're willing to do a house show. Uh, all travel expenses have to be paid, though. <laughs> and it's going to take us about a week to pull off that. Mm-hmm. We're going to need a lot of prep time, yeah, a lot of reflection lot of time. Um, okay, so we're jumping into 2 Samuel. And Second uh, Samuel, we, we did an intro episode on this. If you're interested, uh, just so you just so I can situate the listener, if this is your first episode, one of the arcs that we follow over the course of a Knowing Faith season is kind of tracing along whatever Bible study our church uh, TVC, the Village Church, is doing. And right now we're in Second Samuel. And so if you're looking for uh, the curriculum that accompanies our Second Samuel study, you can find that online at tvcresources.net. And then you can also find the audio for those classes. And so if you're like, man, I kind of want to follow along with that study, you can find both the curriculum and the audio for 2 Samuel on tvcresources.net. These podcasts are not like, they're not the teaching audio. It's not us teaching through 2 Samuel. They're almost more like outtakes, honestly, sometimes. Well, yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, it's just kind of like a, like, what if we just dove in real quick to a passage? Pick our favorite pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of like chopped it up a little bit. Um, And so, but if you're looking for things that are a little bit more of a kind of structured walk through the whole book, the audio for the classes and the curriculum is going to be your best bet. Yes. Okay. Um, Make make ample use of that. But we're jumping into 2 Samuel. And right at the beginning of 2 Samuel, Saul dies. Yeah, it opens on kind of a low note, not going to lie. Right. In fact, that's the funny thing about going line by line through a book of the Bible is we finished up in December with Saul falling on his sword. And then we were like, okay, happy holidays, everybody. And we had to send him home. Right. And that's the way it goes. A lot of times when you're taking an entire book from start to finish, you don't get to pick neat divisions that, that leave everybody feeling warm and fuzzy. But I kind of like it. So we sat in the tension all over the holidays of uh, now what? Right. And when you open up Second Samuel, you start to find out how that tension is going to resolve. So... So who is Saul? Well, he's he by the end of the story, he's he's a bad dude. Yeah. 
or a sad dude, to say the least. He'd, I mean, he had been anointed Israel's king. Yeah. And his kingship had been mired by his own kind of complicated life. Yeah, I mean, right out of the gate, he, he sort of goes his own way. He offers, he offers a sacrifice that he wasn't supposed to offer. He basically takes matters into his own hands because he doesn't wait as he was instructed to do. And because of that, Samuel says, listen, you're not going to be the king. The kingdom's going to pass from you to another. And so then you live out the rest of 1 Samuel watching how that prophecy is going to be fulfilled. And at the end of 1 Samuel, sure enough, he is no longer king because he's dead, but you're not really sure. And you know, you're like, I mean, we, we feel like we know the story, so we right. should just fill in the blank. But for if you're reading it sort of as though you've never heard the story before, you find yourself thinking, well, now what? Because like I get that David has been called to this position. He's the one that God has chosen, but how on earth is he going to get there? Right from where we just left things. Because there was some tension in 1 Samuel because David had already been anointed king. And but he's yet, not the king. And Saul hadn't even died yet. Right. And so Saul's got all these people who are loyal to him. Right. Uh, and they've been fighting the Philistines. And and then everything just kind of comes apart. So we, 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 like, we begin with the death of a king. And we don't even get to see that. De- the death has happened kind of off stage, so to speak. It's happened in 1 Samuel. But news is beginning to spread. And news gets to David. Yeah. And I think... In fairness, after you've watched what's how David has been treated by Saul, you you would expect that David is going to be like, oh man, finally, finally. like someone's not chasing sure. me around anymore. Because and what are some of the antics that Saul? I mean, like Saul had thrown a javelin at David yeah. at one point, several several times. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean he he keeps trying to pin him to the wall. Right. Uh, David has several opportunities where he can take Saul's life, but he he doesn't. He he will not touch the Lord's anointed. So so that is the theme that you have to hang on to as you walk into into Second Samuel is that David has, if you're paying attention, has consistently held that he will not act on his own timeline or according to his own agenda, even though he knows that the Lord will make him king, Mm -hmm. he will not take matters into his own hand, which is exactly what Saul's downfall was, that he took matters into his own hand. So that contrast has already been set up for us. But you do still kind of find yourself thinking, surely David is going to be happy to hear that his enemy has, has fallen. So, but David is sad. Like super sad. Yeah, like, and why? <laughs> why is David sad about the death of Saul and Jonathan? I mean, Jonathan's. I mean, Jonathan is just one of his closest friends. I mean, right. if you're ever wanting to do a kind of a study on friendship in the Bible, I think the relationship between David and Jonathan is is one worth kind of taking a deep dive into because these were two men who just loved each other right. the way brothers ought to love each other. And complicated because Jonathan was Saul's son. son. Okay, so right. he's like best friends with the son of the guy that wants to kill him. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's just in, in his relationship with Saul, it's one of still humility and submission to the king, even right. if it's a bad king. I mean, he's just, he realizes, Jen, I think, was just pointing out, is this is the Lord's anointed in whom I've given my allegiance to. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, one thing that's interesting that I was thinking about too, kind of even related to this, is how one of the main themes of First Samuel that kind of makes its way throughout the whole book is Hannah's prayer. Yeah. And now here at the beginning, parts of Hannah's prayer are being it's answered. Fulfillment. Right. Yeah. So it's Hannah prays at the beginning of, 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 you know, my joy is in the Lord raising up a king and bringing those who are the elite down. It's almost like this, rev- she's praying the, one of the most revolutionary prayers in the Bible of ju- we're living in a world of injustice and maybe God will bring his justice through a new kingdom. 
And here it's you one see of the, yeah, it's one of the earliest articulations of the upside down kingdom. That's exactly that he right. He will bring bring low the mighty, and that he will raise up the lowly. And so, part of that is what's happening here. Is Hannah's prayer is being answered in the first few chapters of Second Samuel. And and David is grieved because um, Saul has died, died, Jonathan has died. And then we get this scene a few verses later. Look at verses 11 through 16, because if you read this story, in my mind, this is kind of the one of those, whoa, whoa, what is happening here right now? So look, I'm just going to read it because it's just strange. Um, David took hold of his clothes. So, uh, so a messenger comes to David and says, um, Saul and Jonathan are dead. So we're kind of getting now the moment of uh, what happened. This guy's going to give an account of what happened. And in verses 11 through 16, it says, uh, Then David took hold of his clothes and tore them, and so did all the men who were with him. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and for the house of Israel because they had fallen by the sword. So Saul had died in battle. Kind of. And David said to the young man who told him, where do you come from? And he answered, I'm the son of a sojourner and a Malachite. David said to him, how is it that you are not afraid to put out your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Then David called one of the young men and said, go execute him. And he struck him down so that he died. And David said to him, your blood be on your head for your own mouth has testified against you saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Now, when you hear the story, what happened is Saul asked to be killed. Mm-hmm. He's like mortally wounded mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to like, he's like, he's not going to take his own life. Right. But he does. But he does. But this guy gets killed because it says in verse 10, he says, well, he told me, stand beside me and kill me for anguish has seized me. And yet my life still lingers. This is the Amalekite, the messenger speaking. So I stood beside him and killed him because I was sure that he could not live after he had fallen. And I took the crown that was on his head and the armlet that was on my arm. And I've brought them here to my Lord. Yeah. So this guy is like the don't kill the messenger thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. David is like, I'm straight up killing the messenger. <laughs> what is happening here? Yeah. So there's a couple things going on. First of all, that expectation that you and I have that David will celebrate the death of Saul is the expectation of the Amalekite. He mm. thinks that he can win, he can curry favor by claiming that he is the one who oh, is responsible for the death I of Saul. Okay. I have not read it that way, but so that makes more sense. he's like, hey, guess who your boy is? Me, because guess what I did? Uh, but there, so there's that piece of it going on, but one of the interesting things that came out at the end of first Samuel, as we were looking at the death of Saul is I had, I had typically heard that taught as a coward's death, Mm -hmm. right? That he falls on his own sword because he can't deal with where things have come to. But, but several commentators said that actually it could be interpreted as a a final act of uh, a final honorable act Hmm. because he knows that if he is taken alive, he will be paraded, or that, that Israel will suffer massive humiliation. Interesting. Uh, and so he, he limits the amount of damage that can be done by taking his own life. One of the commentators I read is similar to that. Uh, does it play on words? where it says he's leaning on his sword or leaning on his spear. Uh, and he, this commentator makes the point that that was Saul's entire reign, mm-hmm. is that his entire reign was one of violence and one of, uh, and then he kind of brings out Jesus's words, those who live, live by, by the, the sword, sword will, will die, die by, by the sword. sword. Hmm. I think there's That's a lot going too. on there. I don't mm-hmm. think we have to choose sure, sure. our favorite interpretation, but at the very least we can say that this guy is a lying liar mm-hmm. and he's lying for personal gain. Yeah. And David is uh, more perceptive than yeah. that. 
Okay, I had not read it. That that's really helpful. Well, because like the question is going to be like David, you know. Uh, one of the things we can say about him is that he's definitely in touch with his emotions, right? Like you're, and, and so the question you get in this passage is, is the way David is behaving, is it kind of an act or is he really grieving Grieved. Saul? Right. right. Because he has some political motivations oh, yeah, for grieving lots. Saul. And, and so. How are you going to unite the kingdom? Right. 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 He's, he's got to get Saul's followers mm-hmm. on his team. And as we're going to see, that's going to be, that's going to be difficult. So then the, the looming question here is, is this sincere? Yeah. And it like it goes on right from there to David's lament, mm-hmm. which is certainly this. I mean, golly, it is just really. I mean, it's just poignant, grief filled. I mean, at one point he says in verse twenty three of chapter one, Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely in life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. So we get in this eulogy that is like very. Um, I don't want to say it's a romantic view of Saul. But it is a very romantic view of Saul, right? Well, I will say this. In life and death, they were not divided. That's true. One of the most moving things about the final scene of 1 Samuel is that Jonathan is faithful in service to his father mm-hmm. to the end, mm-hmm. even though he knows that his father will not inherit the kingdom, that the kingdom will not go forward through his father and therefore through him. Right. Like think about the implications for Jonathan of recognizing that the throne is not going to be given to Saul. Right. And I mean, he's, yet, he's giving up like, he's giving up the throne. And so you want to, you want to look in the narrative for someone who does not touch the Lord's anointed, Jonathan, mm. who has proximity to him and knows it is the will of the Lord that David would ascend the throne, maintains a position by his side until the end. Yeah. So I would not say that, that David is romanticizing. I think, I think what really there's almost more of a tribute to, to Jonathan mm. in those words than there is to Saul. Mm. Um, but it's, it's accurate. The CSB Life Council Bible provides biblical counsel and practical wisdom for pastors, ministry leaders, counselors, parents, couples, and any individual seeking practical wisdom through the application of God's Word. It includes more than 150 full-length articles on a wide range of topics and tough issues from respected Christian counselors and scholars. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. We live in a possession and money-obsessed culture, but what does the Bible say about generosity? In his new book, A Short Guide to Gospel Generosity, author Nathan Harris shows us that the answer to our obsession with possessions is turning to the gospel, because only in the gospel can we find the type of life transformation that enables us to turn our focus from ourselves and back to others, to give generously, and to follow in the way of Christ. To learn more about the book, visit GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. That's GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. So, uh, so moving on from, the, uh, from this lament, you get to chapter 2, and we have David, who is now anointed king. Right, he's mm-hmm. anointed the king of Judah uh, again. Again, again. Right. right, he's anointed in First Samuel sixteen. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, and then here you have him being anointed over Judah, mm-hmm. and I think it's in chapter five he's going to be anointed again a king over all of Israel. Right. So these chapters are really interesting 
chapters because you have to remember David has been told and has been anointed years and years ago that this is going to happen. Saul eventually falls. And I think something that's interesting for at least a Christian life to consider is what it looks like to be prepared for kingship or for reigning and ruling. And I think that's what's going on here in David's life is he is anointed as king, but then he first becomes a warrior and then mm-hmm. he eventually becomes kind of a overlord over a few tribes and eventually he's going to be king. Uh, when we are baptized in the spirit, we're not prepared for the kingdom yet. This process of sanctification is something that's, I think, going to happen for us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can eventually reign with Christ forever. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that. Is this something that it's almost like a, a narrative of sanctification, right? Of David being anointed as king, given the rights of the kingdom, completely anointed, baptized, right? But then... It's really messy. Well, I think you could maybe say that anointing is justification Mm -hmm. and um, ascending is sanctification. That there's a process of ascending. Well, ascending would be glorification, I Mm -hmm. guess. But in between the justification, the glorification, what do they do? They fight a lot of battles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They rule and subdue. And that's what's going on here is he has this incredibly messy story. And of course, as we continue in 2 Samuel, it's only going to continue to stay messy. Mm -hmm. But it really does this show, I think, at least I I resonate with this in my own life. I've been justified in Christ, but my life still has lots of messiness in it and battles in it and frustrations in it. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, what David's going through here. And I think this, you know, this gets into the whole, we have this whole um, pull between like, well, do I rest in the finished work of Christ or do I get out there and fight? Yes. And, um, and I think you see in the anointing, like David can rest in the knowledge that he will become king. The Lord has said it and, and the Lord's word comes to pass, but there's a lot of work that he has to do in between the time that that is announced to him and made a sure, uh, a sure thing to him and the time that it actually comes to It doesn't to make his exile in a cave any easier. <laughs> right. No, for sure. Right. And that's sanctification. Exile in a cave. I think that's really interesting. I don't know that I would have read it that way, but I think that's really, that's an interesting way to read it. I think another way to see it is just the already and the not yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's, yeah. Right? So it's just like, okay, he's been anointed and yet he's not yet on the throne mm-hmm. or even the life of Jesus that he's baptized. He is the king, but he's becoming the king. Right, exactly. So, um, uh, you know, I think about the baptism of Jesus as the uh, the anointing ceremony, right? Because one of the reasons why the anointing of David is significant for the rest of scripture is because anointed king is what Christ means, right? So when Jesus comes along and they're like, this is the Christ, they're saying, you are the anointed, long-awaited, long-expected king. And in that there is an anointing ceremony in the gospel account. It's his baptism. The baptism of Jesus is an anointing ceremony where the father speaks the royal beloved pronouncement. Mm -hmm. The spirit descends upon the um, son, Jesus Christ, and the son receives that. uh, And he receives it publicly. It initiates his public ministry. And then just like David's anointing, um, following the anointing of Jesus, what's he do? Goes out into the wilderness to defeat the enemy. Mm-hmm. And then spends the next three years pronouncing God's kingdom has come, even in the face of great opposition. So then he goes to what? Eventually, he is enthroned on the cross and mm-hmm. then rises again in a sense at the right hand of the Father. So I think that this motif or theme of anointing, it's really pronounced in the historical books. Mm-hmm. And it's really pronounced in the story of David. It just is like, it's almost like the writer of the historical books is like, hey, did you miss that time that David was anointed? Here's another time. Mm-hmm. Right? So <laughs> like here he's, you remember, David's anointed. He's anointed. He's anointed. He's anointed. And then eventually with the covenant of David, we know there's going to be a king, come a king who is 
God's anointed one, mm-hmm. God's chosen one, God's chosen king, and that's that ends up being Jesus, mm-hmm. right? And so this theme of anointing is significant. So this anointing ceremony in 2, 1 through 7, the other anointing ceremonies that we see in the story of David in the historical books are significant because they're pointing us to the expectation that God's king will be this anointed king who eventually comes in the Son of God, Jesus. Okay, There's so- another sort of significant thing just to help people just understand the whole story of Israel that starts to crop up in in First and Second Samuel. So you're seeing in First and Second Samuel a time period which is before the divided kingdom. It's before you have Israel and Judah divided, but it's spoken of in First and Second Samuel. It's giving hints toward that that future thing that's going right. to happen. So you start to see that here in chapter two. He's anointed king of Judah. Well, Judah's not really a th- a thing like right. it will be later. That's and, a good point. And, and yet you're seeing, oh, I can see how down the road this thing split in two because here there was already this natural division, natural, this, sure. this division that was happening among them the based on who was served. Yeah, the fault lines are already in place. And so it's it, that's a good thing to, to keep track of. So we get to chapter three and we happen upon Joab and Abner. Yep. Okay, so what's happening? Who are Joab and Abner? So we've already met Abner. We right. met him uh, in in First Samuel, and he is the commander of Saul's armies. Okay, and who's Joab? He's his general. And then uh, Joab works for David. Right. Okay. So, and there's conflict there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because Joab um, murders Abner. <laughs> Joab is a little bloodthirsty. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so why? Well, Abner, it becomes unclear where Abner's loyalties lie. Right. Um, Abner starts to make some movements toward David. And so if you're Joab, you don't like that because that's going to threaten your position of power for one thing. But also, it, 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 honestly, it's it's tough. Like this is what we'll have to you know get into as we're walking through the text is what are Joab's motives? They could be self-protecting mm-hmm. or they could be that he doesn't want anyone to threaten David's kingship by infiltrating uh, the ranks, so to speak. And then, but then David mourns the death of Abner. Yeah, like so, I said, David's emotionally available. <laughs> I mean, it just gets to this point where it's just like, so, and then he commands Joab at the end of chapter three to also mourn Abner. Well, Joab's going to kill a whole lot mm-hmm. more people before this book is over. So <laughs> where part of it is the character of Joab is really being set up for us. And so in this first killing, you're like, wait, what? what just happened there and the fact that David mourns Abner should should communicate to us once you get to the end of the book that he had early insight into Joab uh, and that he does understand that Abner's death on some level was was uh, needless, right. was wasteful. Right, right, right. Or maybe it was even unmerited, preemptive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Okay, so you're a reader of 2 Samuel and you're, uh, re- you just read chapters 1 through 3. You have uh, David mourning Saul's death. You have David anointed king. You have Joab killing Abner. And then a weird scene at the very end where David is telling the person who just killed Abner to mourn Mm -hmm. his death. Um, Okay, what am I supposed to get from this? (laughs) Like, what's, what's the takeaway What's my what, what's the value? At what it, what what have I gotten reading Second Samuel one through three that I wouldn't that, that I wouldn't have gotten elsewhere? Well, for one thing, David is 
reacting in unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. And so I think mm-hmm. we're seeing the, and he's an unexpected king. Yeah. And so as we were even just going through the earlier, when you were, you know, talking about the, the David and Jonathan and, and Saul in the morning, I, I just kept thinking of Isaiah 53 and the description there that we have that we know points toward Christ. But just listen, I'm just going to read the beginning of it so you can hear it and think about the story of David. It says, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. This is David who's out tending the sheep, you know, the least and the last. Uh, And then it says he was despised and rejected by men. Well, what did we just see happen to David in 1 Samuel? He is despised and he is rejected by the one who sits on the throne and by all who serve him. And then it says he's a man of sorrows and he's acquainted with grief. Mm-hmm. And I think that we tend to read that and we read, oh, well, he was sorrowful because he had to go to the cross right. or he grieved because he had to die. But also we know that the Lord takes no delight in the death of the wicked, that there is a sense in which David's grief over these very mixed characters who are presented to us where we're like, is that a good guy or bad? Like we're always, you know, we're still looking for who's the villain and who's the victor. And, and the text doesn't give us a lot of resolution on that. And mm. so David just mourns the wastefulness of all of it, mm-hmm. right. you know, and, and I think that we can see him pointing toward Christ in that in a very clear way. Yeah, that's good. We're going to be following along with Second Samuel, diving in different pockets throughout the whole course of the semester. Should be fun. We're going to have some guests on. <laughs> We have a lot of guests this year. We do have a lot of guests. Who <laughs> have we lured onto the podcast? Um, we got, got any Jamie Roller, oh, Taryn Mays. Um, these are some of our friends. Elizabeth Woodson's going to be on again. Yeah. Mason King. Nate um, Elgin. Nate Elgin. Yeah, we got some fun people coming up. We're trying to lock in a few more other guests, but don't want to give those names away until we have them. Um, I've made that mistake in the past. <laughs> but like, on this season, you'll find such and such. Oh, we canceled that. <laughs> or they canceled on us. Um, For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. On our next episode, we're going to be talking about baptism, what it is, why it matters. See you next time. Grace and peace.